Today's Ringer MBA show is brought to you by Microsoft Surface. Thank you, Microsoft Surface, for being a sponsor of the show. Need a device that helps you get stuff done, but is also perfect when you want to catch up on some fun, like streaming live sports or checking on your fantasy team? Check out the latest member of the Microsoft Surface family, the new Surface Pro 6. Just take the keyboard off and use it like a tablet or snap it back on and use it like a laptop with up to 13 and a half hours of battery life and the new 8th gen Intel Core processor. It's everything you love about the Surface Pro, now even more powerful. Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show is brought to you by BetQL. You want an edge over Vegas? Download BetQL, the app you need to get an advantage this season. Discover value bets, line movement, and find out what bets the public backs with BetQL. And the best part, BetQL is free to download from your mobile device. Head to betql.co and use promo code NBA for your three-day trial. Give yourself an advantage over Vegas and download BetQL. That's betql.co and promo code NBA. Basketball is very good. Anthony Davis will win the MVP this year. The Hawks trading Doncic was a smart move. What if the Cavs are better without LeBron? Basketball is very good. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. It's group chat. Bow, bow, bow. Haley O'Shaughnessy, Paolo Getty, Chris Ryan. Justin Verrier is in transit. We'll see if he makes it here. Justin just... He's DNP. A, an editor at the core, um, but we're going to miss him on this pod. Hopefully, he'll come in and drop some UConn alumnus takes uh, later. How many people could he be? I mean, plenty. Andre Drummond, yeah. Jeremy Lamb, Kemba Walker. More than USC, that's for sure. Ooh. Is there well, a lot? Than- you think there's better Louisville players in the league right now than UConn yes. players? We're top wow. heavy. Donovan Mitchell. Top heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell and who else? Montrez Harrell. Uh-huh. Mm, I don't know about top heavy. Yeah, actually. Well, I mean, I meant top heavies and Donovan. Justin, if you were to playing Gordy two on Jang. two, would you rather have Kemba and Drummond or Harrell and Mitchell? Great if you're playing question. like NBA Jam and the the Earth's future depended on it, I would rather have Donovan and anyone. Mm. Well, yeah. That's what a surprising answer. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about opening night heroes. The NBA started for sure last night. We had opening night with Sixers Celtics. I'm sure you guys feel inundated with Sixers and Celtics takes from the Ringer. But I, I, I do have some, some more to share. I'm drowning in it. It's like I can't tell what's real and what's fake. Yeah, because yeah. it's like, what's are they the bit, most the only real? two pro franchises that matter? You could or, tell me right. anything and I would think that you were serious. No, yeah. I know. Well, we'll find out. Um, but I want to talk about some other teams. And I want to start with, you know, in the creeping NFLification of the NBA, where like every night is the most important thing that's ever happened. And mm-hmm. anything that happens is like everything that's going to happen forever. I guess Anthony Davis won the MVP last night. That's oh, Yeah. Yeah. 100%. The, the campaign started. So the Rockets went out. Uh, they're supposed to win 50-something games this year. They're going to go back to the Western Conference Final. They're going to get the revenge on the Warriors. But first, they laid an egg against the Pelicans, uh, losing 131-112, and it wasn't that close, I don't think. I think that this, and the whole uh, Davis, like how much you buy into his performance, not as him being great but as it being his MVP season you're getting extra hype about it I think that it depends on which way you look at it because the Rockets were not good last night no. and so you could either overreact and say that they are taking a massive step back 
Or you could... Or when it comes to Carmelo taking a step forward past the three-point line for (laughs) a long (laughs) two-footer. 29-footer. Two-pointer, yeah. Or a 19-footer, yeah. I'm Probably a 29-footer. He might have a better chance. Well, (laughs) because for me, I like confirming my own beliefs all offseason. I thought that the Rockets had taken a small step back. And for one game, I can be correct because they looked pretty bad. And, And not just that, not to turn it back to the people around Davis, but it was also encouraging to see how good the Pelicans mm-hmm. were, just top to bottom. Yep. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll get into Alfred Payton's triple-double. I but mean, who, we, everybody yeah. in America is waiting for us to get to Alfred Payton right now. It's <laughs> so not it's like there's anybody else of interest in this Davis. game. <laughs> Did yeah, anyone no, like, else have a better or more dramatic hair change? Josh Jackson also had one. He is now buzz cut, and he had long hair before. There you go. I think that Payton's is better. Oh, of course, but I'm just saying if we want to compete. One of the questions going into the season was how would he fill in that Rondo role, right? And, I mean, he fit it exactly damn well yeah. in the game one by literally doing what Rondo does all the time, which is have these weird 10 and 10, 10 triple doubles. And, you know, Meritage looked good. He had 30 points last night. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm really in on this team. This My, is a team that's probably going to be very, uh, it's going to be very volatile to, like, injuries happen. I don't think it's that deep. But... When you watch it, it was what's so cool about it is that you know we're so used to these super teams being built, and it's like we bring this guy and we brought this guy in. There's constant change. There's we're always tinkering with the rotation. This is just like they have the best player in the NBA, possibly, and they put some guys around him, and it really worked. And he's agreed to play the five because playing the five in Alvin Gentry's system is not the same as playing the five in almost any other system. He's essentially playing a three-four hybrid on offense that's crashing the rim. He's a monster defensively. And I think it's going to take a really long time for anybody to figure out how you guard this team. They're playing so fast. They have shooting all over the floor with the exception of Alfred, but they've got Anthony is the X factor that no one can really game plan for. Well, in terms of like that being a revelation that this Pelicans team is like so interesting because they put a bunch of random guys around AD. That's been like every Pelicans team since AD. Yeah. And I think that this year, the interesting person like, oh, who's going to be the Miritich other than him, is like Randall. I was kind of yeah. impressed mm-hmm. by, and maybe that's something that we'll see like dip back down. But I always liked Randall in LA. I think he kind of had a tough go of it because it seemed like he was always the guy they were ready to trade. Yeah, yeah. But I like him. I think that he's he can be exactly what they need him to be. He, mm-hmm. And he's more consistent than people might give him. He's really for. fascinating in this system because you don't really think of him as like a pace and pace kind of guy. Yeah. He's more yeah, of a like, like, like a bruiser. Yeah. And, and I think also like neat, likes to have the ball in his hands a little yeah. bit and see the floor a little bit more and not, I think Alvin Gentry's offense like relies on a sort of quick decisions and, and a lot of, uh, a lot of movement just like, yeah. you know, and a ferocious kind of momentum towards the basket. But I think much in the same way we talk about the Lakers running and do, and, and trying to play fast, which we'll see um, Thursday night. I wonder how how fast they can go and for how long they can go fast this season before things, like you said, injuries start popping up or just, like, exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Right, because the lineups can get really bizarre really fast. Yes. Like, if let's say that uh, they have to start Davis, Miritich, and Randall. Mm-hmm. That's weird. That's, That's I, a mess. I, I think Dan I had it best on Twitter where he said, Dan Devine, he said, you know— you probably can't play the three of them together, but any combination of the two is going to be really It's going to be effective. Yeah, Haley, you wrote a little bit about um, the MVP expectations that are kind of enveloping Davis this season. And it's interestingly enough for a guy who I think 
before he joined the Clutch Sports Agency, seemed to be a little <laughs> bit more like, not self-effacing, but just kind of like, I'm just going about my business. He seems like completely aware of the narrative surrounding him. And he oh talked my God, a little totally. bit. Yeah. What I wrote was that it's like a presidential campaign, yeah. like mm, a couple yeah. years before, he's you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, seriously, he's like, he's like a four-term senator with the connection to the Kennedys. Well, he, all, no, he, seriously, like then the interview he did before the season started, he said... I saw what Russ Westbrook did when Durant went down with that foot injury. And he told Alvin Gentry, that's what he has to be. Quote, if I have to be Westbrook, I will be Westbrook. He might have been talking about like 2014-15 Westbrook, but like, dude, you're talking about 2016 And then last night, he said that he took a look at James Harden's MVP award. Like he, yeah, he's and then like, he plays the former MVP. Like that's great. Yeah, for, thank yeah. you NBA for setting, setting that up for him. And like he destroys him. So on the nose. And then also in that article, he brought up LeBron. He said, "When you look at LeBron every year, you know he's going to be great. His team's going to have a chance to win the title. From here on out, I want to be in that conversation every year. Mm-hmm. That is ambitious. Yes, right. And when you think about it, you can't say that about any other player in the league right now because the second best player in the league." For some people, the first best player is Kevin Durant. Yeah. No. Like, that's not—his team might be in the conversation every year, but he's not carrying a team the same way LeBron well, we might, can. That, that would be the most—that's the most interesting idea about Kevin Durant leaving Golden State. Yeah. Is that sure. if he goes to the Knicks or if he goes to the Heat or if he goes wherever he's going to go, it would be fascinating to see him try to lift a franchise but, up to 50 wins. But he, that's not—the assumption already is that, like, Kyrie would go with him. He'd go somewhere where somebody else would be. You know, it's just not—we right. just don't— Free agents don't go somewhere where no one else is anymore. Yeah. Yes. And so, but yeah, I think that the LeBron thing is very interesting because after those last 33 games, I don't think Davis will ever be there, but it's interesting to think about him as another player who makes it makes a stand this year is like, yeah, any year that I'm on this team. It's a 50-win season. Yeah. We're going to the playoffs. It's a 50-win season, yeah. Ne- and you never know what can it's happen. It's so interesting how like, not just the narrative kind of is building up to this, but, but everything is in the way we think about the NBA now where it's like who is the next free agent who is the next guy that's going to be available for teams to go after mm-hmm. who who might you know exert their pre-agency if you will and he's that next guy so like it feels like everything is sort of I don't know coalescing around him in a way where like he's he's now the guy we're going to pay attention to the whole season because like okay Kawhi's in Toronto you know Paul George stayed in Oklahoma City Bronze in LA. So who's like, who's the next guy? And he's only 25, which is crazy to think about. I know, about. so easy to forget that he's 25. But I also think that part of his whole MVP campaign is kind of like giving that same feeling that Westbrook gave the people is like, okay, Durant yes. left, but don't worry. Yeah. It's like, the, I'm here. I'm putting this whole team Mid- on my back. Small market team right. has been speculation that the Pelicans are not long for this world if Davis were to leave. He is essentially the franchise savior, whether he likes it or not. And he could be the end of the franchise if he leaves, which I'm sure is not a very pleasant thing to contemplate. I think that you, we get to a certain point where these numbers, like we're, we'll, we'll look at Carl Anthony Towns' numbers, we'll look at Giannis' numbers, we'll look at whoever's you know I can't uh, I Embiid, honestly Simmons. I don't even think we should put talk not, about well, cat in that's, that that's what I'm saying is that Davis is now beyond the kids with mm-hmm. good numbers zone he's, right and he's floating he's in between the LeBron KD yeah LeBron yeah. KD Harden Curry okay. he is up in that group where you're like I take him and four guys off the street and I think you could beat most NBA teams and you saw it he beat what was the probably the story of the season last year was the Rockets. It's not a big deal. They're still getting used to each other. They got rid of some guys. They're bringing some new guys in. We're not freaking out about the Rockets. It's more about watching Anthony Davis out there and just be like, I'm the best player on the floor. Right. I'm the best player on the floor. This is how, and honestly, like I thought that was like, we will get to this, but that was, there's a couple of games I've seen over the last two days 
where there was some really interesting statement games. Mm. Statement game from Tatum. For a while there during the Celtics game, you were like, I, th- I felt like Simmons was like, you guys aren't talking about yeah. me enough. Yes. I'm, I'm the best player on the floor. We'll talk more about that. Um, oh, we're little- we're going to... Talk more about Sixers Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> At some point. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Suns, who played the late national game. God bless the NBA. Yeah, this is uh, it was DeAndre versus Doncic, but it wound up being, I thought, a statement game for Tra- Both Devin, Devin Booker, actually. Oh, yeah. Devin Booker. Because Devin Booker is... Um, Another numbers guy, right. another guy that you get really seduced that you see a tweet at like 10 p.m. and it's a basketball reference thing. It's like no one's ever scored like with their <laughs> you know right foot uh, perpendicular <laughs> on, a left foot. Great on a Tuesday. On a Tuesday reference voice. No, but it was just yeah, like no, no. you would see these numbers and you'd be like, yeah, but the Suns suck, so who cares? And then one thing that I really noticed about last night, Devin Booker ended with 35, 19 came in the fourth quarter. Right. That's four for four from three. That's when you graduate. Well, yeah. That's when you graduate and right. you're like, I know how to win a game for my team. That's Similar to huge. the leap we were just talking about with Davis, the one for Booker this season is that his stats are no longer, can be called empty. Right. And the way that that happens is if the Suns win more games. And they're actually in a better position to do that this year with some of the vets they brought in. And it looks like, I mean, I'm super in on Aiden, but it looks like he can immediately help that. Yeah. Yes. And, and the system too. I think it's interesting to note that they have a new coach uh, in Igor. And they had 35 assists last night. Yes. And I think the, it's the first time they've had a game with 35 assists since 2011. So if if Booker takes that extra step, if the system caters to him in, in this kind of fashion and they're more spacing and passing and Aiden is what, you know, what we all think Aiden is going to be, then then maybe they'll get right. into the Right, if the ball goes around more, then also it, it's harder to say that a guy has empty stats. Yes. yes. Yeah. But you could see Booker absorbing contact and finishing. You could see Booker making the right pass when the shot wasn't there. You could see him playing within a system that seemed to make more sense and cater to his skill set. And I couldn't help but feel, I, well, Carrie Bradshaw, I couldn't <laughs> I help couldn't but wonder. I couldn't help but wonder across town. Um, <laughs> this... This was what the wolves were supposed to be. I was oh watching. My, I was thinking wow. that because I was thinking I was about watching Jamal Crawford and Tyson Chandler on the bench, on the bench, yeah. coaching them, and Ariza out there on the floor, and Ariza kind of giving them like a level of stability. Yep. And Josh Jackson playing his ass off. He ended with eighteen. Uh, TJ Warren looked really effective when they needed like a bucket that wasn't necessarily the most efficient thing you've ever seen, but was like, mm-hmm. hey, it's three, four seconds left on the shot clock. We need you to just absorb contact and make a 10-footer. And of course, a- Aiton ends his first game as an NBA player with 18, 10, and 6, which is about all you can ask for a guy. I think Anna's still in a block, right? Anna's still in a block. Yeah, and there was a lot of like, <laughs> I think there was some Twitter critiques of like his his defensive recognition. Yeah. But like, I mean, guys sometimes don't know, realize how to play defense well, for like so, three years. So I wouldn't worry about right. it too much. Well, I mean, that's it, the whole thing. I think that people are like, like hesitant to say that anymore because Kat has backfired mm-hmm. when, we, when we're giving people that leash. But, but this was the Wolves. This was what the Wolves were supposed to be. Right. Good new coach, veteran leadership to back up and to and go, show and the grow, way to yeah. these two, to two number one draft rebuild. picks. Yeah. yeah. I think that um, with Aiden's defense, it looks a little bit... Well, first of all, I thought that he looked tired on some of... Sure. Which is like, okay, you're a rookie. But also, I think that a lot of times with the big guys, they kind of get confused about timing. Because probably, I would say more than any other position, the talent level and like what you have to go up against is such a huge jump from college to the pros in, you know, under the basket because you are getting bullied by these guys. And so I think that a lot of it is timing. It's like, when do I let this guy, when do I trust my teammate to take this guy and I'm going to switch on to someone else? Yeah. Because 
there are so many more threats than when you were in college. Yeah, no, that's a good point. He he goes from being the bully in college to being the bully in the NBA yeah. real real fast. But I think overall, like I mean, if we want to start nit- nitpicking rookies, like we can do that with like all of them. So I think I I mean it's it's it's, it's such a, a weird... it's a compliment that we're taking. Yeah, I guess such that we're taking a closer already. look with him. There was just a, to... there was a second last night where I was watching. It was Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Ayton and had just come out of a game, and Jamal Crawford was sitting there in. Uh, Wearing a suit because he was he wasn't you know ready for, for he action looked, yet. He looked like a coach when I saw him in the suit. I he was, was like, coaching. He was talking coach to those guys and he was just like this, this. And Aiton was like kind of Aiton was like had this look on his face that wasn't like I'm over. It was more like teach me. He was like mm-hmm. this is a lot of like reading into body language, but he seemed genuine. Like they were they were obviously talking about him. He got got an elbowed and like there were, there was something like where they were discussing like this is why this play went wrong and Bridges looked really engaged. It just seems like. That's the ideal situation for a young kid to come up in. Well, and he said, after the game, Aiden said, that was the most fun I've had during a basketball game. And it kind of made me think about, this is really overreacting, but it made (laughs) me think about, like, the issue I always thought the Wolves had was that they were never used to winning. Yeah. And so, like, when you get used to winning kind of off the bat or even getting used to being competitive, you go down such a different path as a rookie. It's a different mentality. Right, and on the level that you bring to games. And so, that is an overreaction to game one, but that also like, that's something to be excited to, about. To the point about the veterans and the, and the young guys mixing in together. It's interesting. Cause I feel like there's a handful of these teams who have tried that and it hasn't gone particularly well. I mean, yeah, the Kings, the Kings come to mind. Yeah, yeah the, the Kings, Kings come to mind with, with, with Hill, Randolph yeah. and George Hill and right, Vince right, Carter. Right. And now the Hawks are kind of trying to do that with Vince as a, a player on yeah. while they have Trey young. So it, I, it, it does seem like this is like the, Absolutely ideal scenario. Uh, another team that I was really, really impressed by last night, obviously, it was they were sort of the big ticket of the early slate of games was the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks. I, yes. I think everybody, they're kind of the hipster darlings. They Well, they have been over the last couple of years, but now that Bud's there, I think we're finally going to get an unlocked version of this team. A team that averaged, I think they were like 27th in three-point attempts last year. They averaged 24 a game. They shot 34 in their first game with Bud against the Hornets. A game which they were leading for most of, but they got tight later in the in the in the afternoon or the evening. But Giannis 25, 18, and 8. Incredible, solid bedrock of support mm-hmm. from Middleton and Blood. So exactly what how you draw it up if you're looking at how this game is supposed to go. Um and it, it looked like a completely different basketball yeah. team when you were watching them. Fast, extra pass. Always looking for the wide open guy to take a, a three pointer. It was and, a, and the, a wide open guy. It was Bud Ball. Yeah, right. the the Bucks to me are like the startup three years in. <laughs> sure. where they've sure. had they've had the backlash. Things have gone wrong, right. but they've been exciting. Yeah, and now they're like taking some responsibility. Yeah, and now it's time to like, okay, start like, trying to be a real, to be a real company. company. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And like the things that you were just talking about in offense were incredible. And this, I don't think it's an overreaction to be at least excited about the prospect of change because of the sheer number mm-hmm. of threes that they took. And although they also shot them better than last year, you know, that kind of wavers. I'm sure that'll dip a little bit. But yeah, I mean, you had like Middleton off the dribble. You had Eric Bledsoe in transition. You had Brogdon's little weird shot. It was yeah. great. I mean, and, and people were open and they were getting the extra pass. And often that extra pass went to Giannis inside, which is like exactly what he needs yeah. to be doing. And Ursan Ilyasova is just going to take like the 13 points a game he had yeah. against the Sixers and just translate that because he's right. just there taking threes. Like he's going to be, I think he's going to be a really useful player. Um, I think, you know, it's interesting. We spent the first section of the pod gushing about Davis and his MVP narrative. But I think, I think Giannis is going to give him a, a run for his money. 
that that's that's kind of how I feel about this, you know, because they're it's a similar way in that they're gonna both teams should at least on paper have these these like leaps, mm-hmm. these, these uh, bits of improvement, and if say the Bucks end up with the three seed or the two seed even in the East, like what's this? You know, it, I think the numbers are going to be somewhat similar. So I, I think I think Giannis is going to be the one. If anybody, if we're if we're kind of getting on the train of AD's MVP season, I think right. Giannis they got to win more than fifty through. games. Right. I mean, that, yeah. it's like let's yeah. not even get into the MVP stuff because I know that we're almost using MVP as like a bookmark for like really good season. Sure. You know what I mean? Get, right. Like like making a leap, whatever you want to call it. I think the race is just pretty open. Sure. So I, that's, I, that's I think that's why we're talking about it so much. Is it doesn't feel like oh this is one of the Warriors, Harden or LeBron. The you difference know, between some, there is some competition for it. The difference between AD and Giannis is that Giannis. AD has to show that he can do the 33-game stretch over an entire season to make these Pelicans a different team, whereas Giannis is like, the Bucks have to finally give him what he needs. And so that's going to be the difference about like where these I, two— I think it's actually a little bit of both ways for Giannis. It is, yeah. but I there think that also— There is an X factor of Giannis that you want. Like, this is what AD is doing. Well, yeah, I mean, he doing. went 0 from 3 last night mm-hmm. from the 3. But so he does need to like— level out his game. I see that, but I think that that's not going to happen until the Bucks are better. Yeah, sure. I mean, this is the Kevin Love conversation that, yeah. we, that we had for most of the early 2010s until he got traded to Cleveland, which was like, what do you do with a guy who can put up 40 and 20 and his team can't make the playoffs? What does that mean? You know what I mean? What is it? What is it wrong with Kevin? What's wrong with the Timberwolves that they can't accurately build around him? How come the coaching staff hasn't figured out a system to maximize his talent? That's why you get rid of, like, the Bucks were... A seven, a six, seven, eight seed with kid, but what they're looking to be is the top, a top two or three seed, and that's what Bud's going to bring in here is this. Let's maximize every other piece around him so that he gets even better. But there is still a question of like, is is Giannis able to like understand what's going on and seize that moment? That's mm-hmm. the I mean, yeah. that's, no, that's no, why that's you would watch point. them on it. That's on the any question given you night. want to be able to ask right. because like then a, we can see exactly where he can be. He's not stinted. Full by anything slate else. yesterday, and I was like Bucks Hornets. It's yes. not even a question. <laughs> It's right. not even a question of what I want to watch. How about that Nick Batum? Uh, the other reason why I watch Bucks Hornets, um, I knew it. <laughs> uh, I don't think anybody else believed in me. Are um, you about to monk it? <laughs> Haley, my monk stock hit. Oh, finally. I, I bought Thank a God. boat with it. Start cash out. <laughs> 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 we overreact so much to like the these small sample sizes with young players. If they don't, like light the world on fire in their rookie season. They're complete garbage. They're washed. Get them out of the league. They should be playing for the the, the Vipers. The, yeah, but the, he had like a really rough rookie season. Well, look, I mean, if you thought you were going to live in New York and you had to move to Charlotte, you might be a little bit annoyed too. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Tough. He looked great last night. Yeah, 18 yeah, he points. Did. He did. Four threes. Seven of 16 from the The man field. who I thought the go. Sixers should draft at three before they traded three for one <laughs> oh, and drafted man. Fultz instead of Tatum made me look really smart last night. You know what is so sad, though, is Hornets that fandom. he looked great. Kemba had 41. Kemba had 41, yeah. And still, it's they'll like be fine. the Hornets are the Hornets. Look, I think they're going to be, be the seventh seed, eighth seed. You know, they're yeah, fine. and that'd be great. And then they'll lose in the first round. That's good enough for, for the Hornets. No, <laughs> it shouldn't be good enough for the Hornets. <laughs> I, okay. What else did you guys see last night that you want to talk about? You want to talk about Tim Hardaway Jr.? Well, the magic. Can we talk about the magic? Sure. They beat the Heat. I mean, I don't know. Like, it, it's not like... We're the, hitting every it, quadrant. Yeah, just, why not? Why not? I mean, Mo Bamba looked great. And, you know, the magic for all their good, good day point for guard troubles. Good day rookie debuts. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty solid. Like, was nobody, there a bad rookie debut? I mean, Trey Young didn't have the best um, Okay, let's talk about Trey Young. Because we can say it on air and then be held to this. Sure. 
So what do you guys think is going to happen this season for well, so young Trey? He had a, a few moments where he made passes that you wish his teammates were just like a little bit better. Because like he has a good passing vision and he has that skill. But I mean, look at the team he has around him, you know? And, and that's the whole, the team as a whole, they just don't really have anybody like Vince Carter starting for this team. You know? I'm not comparing him to Lonzo Ball, but I'm just saying that I think that he is going to, his defenders are going to sound a lot like the Lonzo truthers last year. Where it's like, no, it's not his fault. Like Trey Young shooting uh, defenders, twenty five. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, almost the, the amount of exposure Trey is going to get, and the amount of game time he's going to get is going to inoculate him from any kind of real criticism well, also, in some he, ways. You get held to ha- such a high standard when people think that you're you were drafted too high. Well, I mean, it, look, his it, for for the first season, I can tell you from experience because if you're part of a draft day trade, your entire season is going to be shot through the lens of that trade. Mm-hmm. So Trey Young will be just as good or just as bad as Luka Doncic is good or bad. What? Trey Young and Luka Doncic. You think they're going to have the same season? No, I think that their seasons are intertwined because they were traded yeah. for one another. So uh, every time Luka puts up like, a triple-double and throws a no-look cross-court pass, people are going to be like, that dude could have saved Atlanta <laughs> basketball. And if Trey Young is good, they're going to be like, great, you got Trey Young and an extra draft pick from right. a bad Mavericks team. With, with um, Doncic... Isn't it? This is what I thought when I was watching him last night. And I don't know if this is going to make sense. <laughs> great. <laughs> it's let's, been a great let's hear it. Um, I felt like I already saw him as a veteran and like what his floor could be. Does that make sense? Sometimes when we look back at these players and we're like, oh, we thought that they were going to be better when they hit the draft. But like this is, they're fine. They're good players. I'm not saying he's going to be that, but I already saw last night, like he already has that in the bag. Oh, yeah. Yeah, That's his absolute floor. And that is really great. Well, that's his like EuroLeague like games exactly, like yeah. you know watching him at, uh, playing in Europe that that was like okay like that's his floor and that's he has pretty damn good floor something, that EuroLeague stuff I think the experience that he has playing in those kinds of competitions he was trying to cook dudes on right, the Suns right right <laughs> like last night I was right. like yo man you were not nervous at all you're yeah. just trying to like the confidence take Ariza poised, yeah. off the dribble yeah, yeah and it's nice to see him have like that immediate uh court vision connection with his teammates too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like DAJ that's gonna be fun I think he had like four turnovers but I'm not reading into it. I'm not. I'm not let him turn it over. Yeah. Let, yeah. let Luca chef it up. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back to talk a little bit about Sixers Celtics, the Sixers and the Celtics, just generally, and some stuff that we're looking forward to. Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show is brought to you by Google Pixel. Unleash the most powerful pixel ever on the network chosen by Google, Verizon. Pixel 3 has more than just any camera. It takes group selfies, snaps in portrait mode, and helps you always pick the perfect moment with Top Shot, which automatically recommends the best picks where no one is blinking and everyone looks just right. And Pixel 3 has the power of Google Lens, which means you can search what you see. And when you get the Pixel 3 on Verizon, it comes with America's best network. Now families can mix and match their unlimited plans on the best network. With unlimited on Verizon, everybody in the family gets what they want without paying for things that they don't. Visit your local Verizon store or learn more at vzw.com. Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. Navy Federal has a mission to put members first by making their financial goals the priority. Navy Federal Credit Union is proud to serve no matter when you served or where life takes you. Receive a lifetime of membership benefits to help you and your family accomplish life missions, like a full suite of financial products designed to fit your needs, 24-7 live support, and access to over 300 branches on or near military bases and thousands of fee-free ATMs. Easily access your accounts, transfer money, pay bills, and deposit checks with the Navy Federal Mobile App. 
Navy Federal is open to the armed forces, DOD, veterans, and their family members, and they're proud to serve over 8 million members, including over 1 million veterans and their families. Navy Federal Credit Union, our members are the mission. Visit NavyFederal.org for more information. Call 1-888-842-6328 or download the Navy Federal Credit Union app. That's NavyFederal.org. For more information, call 1-888-842-6328. Message and data rates apply. Navy Federal is federally insured by NCUA. Ringer NBA show group chat is back. Justin Verriers joined us for the second half. Hi, friends. You're kind of the JJ Redick. We start you the second half. <laughs> That's great, yeah. I want to run through some of our earlier takes and just see if there's any JV wisdom you want to impart on us. <laughs> okay. You want to uh, talk about the Clippers? Anthony Davis, MVP? Probably. Okay. Uh, DeAndre Ayton and the Suns are what the Wolves wish they were. Oh, that's really interesting. Uh, no, I, I don't believe in it in as much as most people do. There you go. Nice. Um, do you want to buy a summer home with me with all the money that <laughs> just got deposited in my account from my Malik Monk stock? Uh, where are we going? Are we talking <laughs> about like the Hamptons or Cape I mean, Cod? you're more of like a rustic New Englander. Yeah, yeah. We can go to Cape Cod. Let's go. Let's nice get... Lake Michigan spot. <laughs> <laughs> Why would we go to Lake Michigan? Because my friend just had a wedding there. It was really pretty. Okay. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. Um, so we can have our nuptials. What else did you see from last night, Justin, <laughs> that you wanted to talk about? Because I was wondering, um, what, what did you wind up watching? Uh, so I was at the Clippers Nuggets game. So Ooh, I was a little live basketball. I know, believe it or not. Uh, I did catch most of the Pelicans game. Uh, I thought, obviously, that was super interesting. I do wonder, they, I think they only played eight guys in that mm-hmm. game. So like, we'll see if they can keep up that pace and, and that sort of uh, demand, especially with Anthony Davis playing center most of the time. Uh, but from the game I saw in person, I thought the Nuggets have a little bit more to them. I'm a little bit worried about Paul Millsap. Were you skeptical? Because there was some like Nuggets are the three seed talk in our yeah. office coming into this season. I was just like, chill out a little bit, you know? I've never been <laughs> to that extent. I think they're a really good offensive team. I don't necessarily see where the defense is going to come mm-hmm. from. Like elite level defense that you need to play to have an impact in the playoffs with Jokic in there. How much do you think that Paul Millsap for a whole season changes that. See, that's the thing. I think defensively, he was pretty sharp. Offensively, he was bad. I don't know what he ended up with. I think he was like 11 and 16 rebounds. Uh, but he was like over six for a long stretch of the game. And I do wonder if he might be a little bit past his prime. And I wonder if there might be a little bit of, do we play Trey Lyles? Do we play Paul Millsap? But overall, I thought they had a little bit more than what they had last year to push them over uh, late in the game. Like, the Clippers hung in there, and I thought they looked better than the Nuggets at times, but then all of a sudden, Jokic kind of made the right plays. They they executed down the stretch, and they got that win, which, as we've been saying, this whole preseason is going to be big for the West, simply because, like, how many games are going to separate three from eight? What's fascinating is is we've seen so much turmoil with so many teams and so many suggestions of, you know, player movement and... Are they in the market for this guy? Are they going to have to sell off this guy? This has been a real summer and fall of stability for the Nuggets. Yeah. They lock up Jokic. They like kind of center in around him being their franchise player. Although I think there's an argument that they're going to need an alpha scorer to go mm-hmm. along with him. Maybe Jamal Murray becomes that. Maybe Gary Harris takes a leap. But also settling on Mike Malone and just being like, well, this is who we are. And you know we can kind of take it from there. I think that they just look very, very, very capable right now, which is like admirable in the West. Yeah, and there's definitely a contrast with the Clippers who are still kind of trying to f- finding out who they are and they're playing matchups, which I think is to their their advantage for the most part simply because a lot of their guys are, are solid enough and are veteran enough where 
they're not they could just play the hot hand and I think all of it sort of works whereas the the Nuggets know who they are already they figured that out last season Millsap for what they're trying to do fits that starting lineup uh, some of their bench guys are a little iffy, but overall, I think they have enough to make the playoffs. How did SGA look? Because we're talking a little bit about rookies today. He was, um, you know, I think the play that really characterized his whole night was he made an early turnover, mm-hmm. like a pretty silly turnover. Like, it's just a bad pass. And I was like, what are you thinking? And then on the other hand, and they tried to run him around screens. I think he was guarding Murray or maybe it was Harris. He stuck with him the entire time and his arms were so long that he jostled the ball away. Interesting. Um, so I, I just think he can match with any of those other guards in that backcourt, and I think he's going to be really good. It's interesting that he can't. So he's off the bench, but he played. He ended up playing a good twenty eight minutes. So it seems like yeah. they really want to get him in there and get, get him. Some time. You've been going to Clippers games for a long time. What was the vibe there? Now that we've like, <laughs> not only that we've fully like eradicated Lob City, but that it's like they they have now kind of like taken the step back in, in the spotlight now that LeBron is there. Was there a different vibe in the building than you were used to? Or Yeah, I, I remarked to someone on Press Row during the game. I was like, I'm glad Blake Griffin isn't here. Hmm. Just because I'm just so sick. Of, well, maybe because I had seen him for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was a little just bored with with the whole thing, but also like the whole preening and the trying to get foul calls and trying to do that up and under move against the big. It was just, it was just over with it. Uh, and everything seemed really fun. Like hmm. Tobias Harris is fun. Like Boban is fun. Like Boban with eighteen last night. He was incredible. I think he's <laughs> like killer. he might be their best center, which is incredible. <laughs> oh, wow. um, but everything there's just like a lighter atmosphere. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they're crushed by the weight of like getting a star or whoever. It's just like all these guys seem to get along. They play hard and. I think that's something that they can build upon going forward. Yeah, I don't mean this in like a negative way at all, but they are like a great street ball team. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. like these five, I mean, not five, more than five guys, but this like group of guys who come together every Friday night after they get off work and they know each other really well and they're like, you're solid at this, you're solid at this. Yeah. And actually like the Clippers are going to be fun. Maybe yeah. more fun than they have been in like there's three too, seasons. There's too much experience there for them not to right. be in and around that eight seven seed. Well, and their mm-hmm. experienced players are like really fun to watch. Yeah, like Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams. Like I love watching. All if of they those stay guys. healthy, they're very threatening. Yeah, Lou was taking Steph Curry threes. By yeah, the way. he took at least <laughs> two from way out there, which is great. Uh, it, there was some really galling. Uh, the the Nuggets Clippers game was relatively conservative based on like some of these other score lines last night like even this Jazz Kings game where it was uh 123-117 you just don't really ex- we're really going to get into these 120-130 games like like right Take away the, over. The, the end of defense I'm looking forward to the pace and space Jazz That's right so did you get a chance <laughs> to see any highlights for that Donovan wind up with 24 points uh 3 for 10 from 3 so you know not like any any anything huge from behind the arc but it was like for a team that everybody is very high on, they looked pretty friggin' good. Yeah, I watched a little bit of that one. Uh, I think it showed that the Jazz aren't what we all expect them to be. Hmm. Like I think everyone says they're a defensive team that's going to plot and they're going to play through Rudy Gobert. Hmm. But if anything, I think they're among the more versatile teams in the NBA right now, considering like just their wealth of wing players. Like it, every, the jokes were that Jay Crowder was like this bad player who can't shoot and all this other stuff. He was overrated, but I think like now he is properly rated as a type of guy who could play a little bit of stretch four and and like open up things for you on that end. 
and then like Exum, he's a guy that they got nothing from last year. He's out there playing 26 minutes, four for nine. Like these guys all matter. And I think they can match up with most teams in the league now. Crowder's in the same boat as Randall where like for so long his stock was like waving up and down. Nobody really knew what to make of him mm-hmm. on the teams they were on. And now it's like they're in a position to show that this is what yeah. I do. This is what I do well. There's a there's a piece this morning in Yahoo Sports uh, where I guess it's like an interview with Donovan Mitchell. And uh, he says the goal is the championship and I got to get my assists up. So those are his two goals this year, apparently. Sure. Mm. There you go. Okay. Is the goal ever not a championship? Yeah. They, yeah that's the thing. And it's is like, the assists for like some sort of like, I'm going to hit some contractual uh, like trigger. Yeah, and like, probably look into that. He only had two assists last night. So. Huh. Mm. Mm. Well, he said that mm. after the game, right? Yeah. Okay. Sounds like it. There you go. Just a guy who wants to improve. Oh, here's the thing that <laughs> you missed to do that, it, that's pretty important. We were talking about NBA Jam teams of different college programs for NBA. Like, oh. So if they were in there and, okay. and I was asking Haley, what? When were... Two and two. Did I black out during that one? No, Drummond, two two. Kemba, Oh, right, Mitchell, oh, right, 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 right. Haley oh, thinks right. that Donovan Mitchell and Montrez Harrell could beat Kemba and Drummond in two and two. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh, you said Kemba? Kemba's incredible. I thought you yeah. said Monk. No, it's not Monk. UConn uh, versus Louisville. What's his face? Lamb. No, no, no. That would be it. Lamb, Lamb and Drummond versus Harrell and Mitchell. Why are you saying that like it's a question? <laughs> it, would be, it would be a fascinating duel. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. If it was Kemba, I would take UConn. That's right, yeah. Meanwhile, baby. I've got uh, Demar and Nikola Vucevic uh, from USC. There you go. There you go. Play through the post. Uh, Emerson does not have any NBA. <laughs> yeah, <players. laughs> um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about this uh, Sixers thing. I don't know if you guys have ever watched the American sitcom uh, How I Met Your Mother. Very good episode they had once called Spoiler Alert, where basically two characters are sitting around. They're talking about people in their lives. And one guy is like, Spoiler alert, this is your mom. No, I think you would actually like How I Met Your Mother. I've seen a couple episodes. Okay, cool. Um, There is like basically this moment where he's like, hey, I was like, your wife chews really loud. And the guy's like, my wife doesn't chew really loud. And he's like, yeah, she does. You can't, how can you not have noticed this? And then he thinks back and then all of a sudden he can't not hear how loud his wife chews and it's like driving him nuts. And this kind of happened to me this week, uh, but not with my wife, with the Sixers. I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts, The Rights to Ricky Sanchez, which is a Sixer podcast. Um, and also a cult. What? With, with oh. Michael Levin and Spike, uh, Spike Eskin. And they were talking, they've, they've been, I would say, on the darker side of optimism <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this week. Sure, yeah, and uh, they were, you know, mostly it's been Fultz talk, but uh, after the Celtics game, they just were like, I'm I'm kind of worried that Simmons and, B- and Embiid can't play with each other. That the perfect version of this team is Simmons and shooters or Embiid and shooters and not Simmons and Embiid and Fultz all out of this floor at the same time with especially those three, but even Simmons and Embiid kind of not making a lot of sense, at least against a team as good as Boston is defensively. Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe against, you know, your Kings or your Hornets or whatever, you can get off with those guys. But that there is like a kind of, basketball geography that's being broken when the two of those guys are out there. And it kind of shattered this dream I have of, of Joel and Ben leading the Sixers down Broad Street for an NBA title parade. And I was wondering if you guys ever have one of those moments where you realize something about a team that you might like a lot and it just like shatters it for you. Well, can we talk about the Sixers thing? Yeah. Sure. Quickly? Yeah. Sure. I think that they definitely have a point. 
they Haley, like, did you did you not understand spoiler alert and you thought it was <laughs> I got that wrong. <laughs> yes. I prepared something different. Can we hear that one? So like, that was it. dope. That was amazing. I was like, oh Haley's got one, and then she's like, just like I was nope. like, don't pass me the ball, don't pass me the ball. <laughs> Go ahead, ask me about the Sixers. I love it. This is my favorite pastime. <laughs> I I I feel like they have a point. Uh, that they're two big men, two of whom aren't really good shooters, one of whom isn't a shooter at all. Foltz also doesn't seem like he makes a ton of sense if he can't shoot there. But I feel like throughout recent history, we've done this a lot, and ultimately, it hasn't been that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Like Chris Paul and James Harden, is there enough of? Uh, are there enough shots? Is there enough of? There's only one ball to go around. Uh, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, and so on. I, I do feel like really good players figure like, it out. Figure it out. But I do think their issue is the guys around them. Like they need three point shooters to go with them, and they need a deeper bench. So I would just tweak it slightly to say it's Here's not a Ben and problem. Embiid problem. I agree with you. Okay. So then doesn't that suggest something even deeper wrong with them? <laughs> <laughs> like if they can't figure it out and if they don't want to figure it out together, um, isn't that also a problem? Because these, I mean, like, look, I think Embiid is an incredible, I mean, in a, in Bull Durham, they would have called him an incredible flake. Like he has like an <laughs> incredible personality. Yeah. He's got something that, that, is you can't teach that. And Simmons, I think, is the best basketball player I've ever seen in my life. So, <laughs> so which way would you go then? Yeah. <laughs> but this is the thing, is that the Wait, Philadelphia actually, folklore guy wants Embiid, sure. and then sure. the guy who's like, I know what this team needs, and I've never seen someone pass the ball like Ben Simmons before. It's like Jason Kidd in, like, in Kevin Garnett's body or something. Then, like, I, I, I'm split a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, one is the most talented on the team and which one has the most God-given talent? (laughs) (laughs) Well done. To quote Uh, Jimmy Ballard. I don't know. You know, it's it's just a really tough situation. I think that I admire what they're trying to do, which is that they know that the best version of this team, this is something that Spike and and might talk about a lot, the best version of this team is the three of them. It's it's Ben, Joel, and Markel, and that's why Markel has to start. I don't understand the Milwaukee Brewers pitching staff style uh, substitution pattern that's happening now where Markel plays like 24 minutes in the first half and then gets benched. Like that doesn't really make any sense to me. If if you're trying to see what you can get out of him, don't you want to see him in a bunch of different game situations? Nah, like, don't you just think that's a, like a confidence thing? Like, hey, we're going to give this to you, right. but we're also going to win. But, but I think No, that but point- that doesn't make any sense. Then bring him off the bench and like play in like a normal 18 to 25 minute game. Don't I think yeah. that after last year, giving him confidence is like, Oh, we're gonna like give you the start. Like this, go ahead. But like, we still see that like we're gonna bring you along slowly. That's probably what they're telling him. You're not gonna be confident if you're coming off the bench. But I think that's part of the problem that Chris is sort of talking about. Is they're trying to juggle so many things at once that it is hurting them. Like they're trying to juggle working Simmons and Embiid together as like a pairing. Then they're trying to juggle Markel's confidence and his playing time and his shot and all of that. And then also the players around them to try to put together a team that can live up to its potential. There's a couple of things. They got back from China. They're probably still a little tired. They mm-hmm. didn't have Muscala yes. or Chandler, so they didn't have the bench scoring or like the veteran scoring that they had last year with Bellinelli and Ilyasova. Um, they played against probably the second best team in basketball last on, on opening night. That's one other thing. Boston looked like completely ferocious to the point where Kyrie Irving looked like the fourth or fifth best player on that team. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there was a bunch of reasons why they 
they didn't look right against Boston in Boston with Boston having all these expectations and Tatum going through Kobe finishing school and everything else. But there was some still some concerns there that I think are going to kind of linger over the team. And the expectations are, are strange. This is a team that people want to see get to the Eastern Conference Finals, but they can't do it really unless they get what they can out of Fultz. And the only way to do that is to play him. But this weird like, but in the second half, JJ is going to come in and we'll be a real basketball team is is, and I've never seen that work before. On, like, if you take away 98.7% of the talent, this is exactly what the Kings were doing last year. Oh, my God, Haley. <laughs> That's I'm, brutal. I'm, no, I'm serious. <laughs> because, that to him? because they changed the lineup so many times because they were never sure what they yeah, were addressing. Yeah. Do were they Fox trying to win? Guys, were they yeah. trying to grow? Were they trying to do it at the same time? You yeah. can't, like, halfway develop a player. Well, well, this is the theme of the podcast, then. It's, like, these teams that are actually doing the thing that the other team wants to do, you know? I would, I would just only say that there's a clear purpose with what they're trying to do with Fultz. They're trying to get him back into the groove in the context of their best players. And because going forward, they need those three guys to work. So it's like, let's just figure it out now rather than wait about. What sucks is that like, this is the the situation that Fultz is in needing to get his confidence back and all of that. He's also at the same time, the key question for the Sixers to succeed the season. Like his, his, how he succeeds. Yeah. And, you know, so it's like a lot of pressure on a guy who probably needs more time to like get that confidence. Yeah, and it's, it's also it's the specific like, nature of what's wrong, what, whatever is ailing him. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like we don't actually really understand it or know or know how to talk about it, which I think is 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 interesting. And and this isn't Malik Monk. This isn't like, oh, this guy just didn't have a good rookie season and then he came out and just dropped 18 on the Bucks. Like, well, I think that we should even just listen to the language we're saying. You're saying Justin, get his groove back. You're mm-hmm. saying get back to where he was or whatever, but where was he? He hasn't He's, done anything well, college. yet. College, yeah. Well, we saw sure, in college, which in, made as him far as unquestionably in the NBA, the like, that's, you can't rely on that. Like, really, that's what we've, what we've seen Embiid come back from injury. We've seen Simmons come back from injury and be exactly what we, we thought that they were. I don't necessarily know that that's going to happen. Those were feet for, and back. Yeah. That's that not what? confidence. It's an, it wasn't confidence. It was like what I mean. It wasn't a guy who's got a wide open three pointer and is playing a hybrid guard role in the NBA. And it's like I'm not going to take that shot. There's so what are you? What are you going to do? Are you, guards take would that you shot. rather have Fultz come off the bench or would you rather have him start? Uh, I'd rather have him come off the bench. I think I don't yeah. think there's anything wrong with him being in the second unit, getting a little bit less. Uh, intense competition, although against the Celtics, he would still be going up against Marcus Smart, so it doesn't really matter. And Marcus Smart, like, picks his teeth with guys like Markel Fultz's bones, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. that he feasts on being like, you were the number one pick, I'm going to destroy you, you know? Right. like Takes a lot of the pressure off of him. Yeah, but sure. just playing second unit, like, his job is to not throw away a lead or to keep team keep the Sixers in a game, mm-hmm. but not to win it and not, you know? I think that some sort of like gradual incline, and then as soon as you know there there will be injuries, there will be like JJ misses two weeks of the hamstring pull, then he starts. It seems natural. It seems much more. And I think a lot of the the declarative nature of the way they're handling it, where it's like he has to play because we need to get him back to where he was. It, mm-hmm. That you don't have to say that. Well, a lot of rookies never get back to where they were in college either. Malik, but that's just Malik not Monk an option for him. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I'll He's just say, I don't know like what the best approach is with Fultz, but he need, they need to figure him out because either to trade him or yeah. to, for right. him to be a part of the right. big three, yeah. he is the key piece. So let yes. me ask you guys this as more neutral observers. And I'm just curious. Uh, the Sixers, they've stated before, Elton Brand has talked about how the window in a lot of ways is Ben Simmons' rookie contract because mm-hmm. that's the place where yeah. they, in terms of adding another star. 
So Fultz is, along with Covington and Sarge, the probably hottest asset that is, but we would conceivably trade because we're not going to trade Simmons or Embiid. When you see Fultz play against Boston like that, how badly do you think it dings his trade value? I would imagine that a lot of people are waiting to see what he actually is. And if anything, I think a game like that probably diminished it. And like, like I don't know, there isn't going to be a trade between now and their next game, which is tonight. So, But I, what if he scores nine? What if he puts up like 19 and six against the Bulls? Then I'd be a little bit more intrigued. Yeah. I think something that we discount a lot is that, especially for way younger guys, guys who just got in the league a year ago, the scouts that were heavily scouting him before on teams that made the case for him but maybe knew that they couldn't get him or a little bit lower, they still believe that he can be whatever they thought he could be. It's only been a year. And maybe they thought that his injury was handled wrong. Maybe they thought that they're not using him right. But this happens all the time that we are like, okay, well, this is his trade value, blah, blah, blah. But we weren't the ones that were scouting him for months that believed in him in this specific system. Hmm. I will say that probably on every trade call that they're going to field, they'll hear that Markel is nothing. Like, because the whole of point, course. The yeah. whole yeah. point of sure. a trade call is to diminish everything that that guy will or has ever sure, done. Sure, but I'm sure there are still teams that, that want him and think that they could make a lot more out of him. Well, what's fair value now? I don't, know. I don't know. Let me throw this hypothetical out. You have to find a team that's like, you have to basically find a Portland who have decided that they're going to blow it up. Mm-hmm, you right. have to find a team that's got like CJ and Dame, we can't play them both together. So we're going to trade CJ and get off his contract and get a, a number one pick back and whatever else we can get from the that Sixers. That sounds like the worst idea. For I Fultz or for the Sixers? For the, for the for, Blazers. For the Blazers. For the of course. Blazers, yeah. yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm constructing a a, an idea you need of a, like... You need a more desperate team Yeah. yeah. What about this? So... Things don't go well for the Pelicans this year. They have to trade Anthony Davis or they decide to trade him before like all the packages are become nothing this summer. Would you trade for Davis and Bede and Fultz? I can't believe you're taking this long. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I think I so guess. too. <laughs> oh my God. Well, even like a shorter term thing. What if like, so I know that like even on the Ricky, they've talked about like, they don't want Jimmy Butler. Like Jimmy Butler is probably not like the guy. Well, I, you can't have Jimmy Butler and Mark Fultz in the same locker room. I mean, that's like. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, but like, so if we're going to get Jimmy Butler, it has to be because they're traded Mark Fultz for him. I mean, like. I, that's, that's, that's what I mean. That's what I'm asking. Like, what if, what if. Like, are you entertaining that more? It, it, because no, I don't want to pay Jimmy Butler forty right, million dollars okay. when he's thirty four. Wow, that would make the Timberwolves like the the team of the maybes. <laughs> like maybe Wiggins will pan out, maybe Cal pan out, maybe Fultz. Yeah, team maybe. clutch. I mean, you would have to throw some nails. Yeah. Obviously, is that what you're, is that your vision? <laughs> That's my vision. Uh, yeah. We can wrap it up there. I'm depressed. Uh, for Haley O'Shaughnessy, Justin Verrier, and Paolo Ugetti, I'm Chris Ryan. Thanks for listening to Group Chat. We'll be back next week. Basketball is very good. Basketball is very good.